week, if you guys remember, we talked about religion. Remember, we talked about how every single one of us is religious. Even if you don't believe in God, you're religious. There are things that, um, that you worship. It could be sports people. It could be movie stars. But we're all religious in something. And I ended by saying, if you're religious, you might as well go ahead and be right. I mean, it just makes sense, right? This week we're going to kind of look at Paul and some of the frustration that Paul's going through because of that same thing. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, there was an old marketing slogan. It was for beer, but I'm going to use it anyway. It was, know when to say when. That company was basically saying, we're not doing this again. That's it. My IT guy's fired officially. <laughs> you know, Jaden, ever since you went back there. So anyway, I had the slogan up there. It says, know when to say when. The idea is basically that it's telling people to know when to not drink too much. But statistics show that slogan was not very effective because what do people do? Drink like crazy, right? So the concept, though, was to tell them to know when to stop. You should know when to stop. My hope is that when I'm done here that we can see the same thing with evangelism, that we can know when to say when. Um, last week, at the end of my message, my wife said that I was a little confusing about my position on why we evangelize. So I want to recap that just a little bit. Because I firmly believe in God's election of the saints. My position probably would best be summarized by Romans 9.16. Um, where it says, So it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. Where I've made a mistake was in assuming everybody here knew my position, but um, I also teach, as does Christ, that we're all to preach the gospel message. So the most common thing that people say with people of my position is that if it's already decided, why would we evangelize? This, the short Short answer to that is because God said so. We don't, I don't, how many of you guys have conversations with people and they have a sticker on their forehead that says saved or unsaved? Do you guys ever have those conversations? So you don't know, do you? No. So it would make life so much easier though, wouldn't it? If you just like walk up, oh, hey, yeah, never mind. We, the problem is we'd stop talking to people, right? We do know what Scripture says, um, and I love this, from Romans 10, 14 and 15. How then will they call on Him who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him who they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, 
how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. How God works out who hears and who's saved, that's up to him. That's way above my pray grade. It's my job to share the gospel. It's actually your job to share the gospel too. Um, the same Paul who wrote all about election in Romans is the same Paul that's out there preaching the gospel to the point of getting beaten. So we should do the same. I don't, I don't know that we should get beaten, but um, I just wanted to clarify that. Let's open up our Bibles. Let's stand up and open up our Bibles to Acts, or, yeah, Acts chapter 18. We're going to go through verse 17. Let's pray really quick and we'll begin. Um, dear Lord, I just thank you for the people here. I, I know that you have brought them here for a purpose and for a reason, Lord, and I pray that they would hear that today. I hope that um, you use my mouth to speak your words, Lord. Give me the strength to do so with clarity. Um, and I just pray that all the hearts that are here would be open to hearing your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, after this... Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed him and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius, Justice, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you or harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. But when Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal, saying, This man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. But Paul was about to open his mouth. Gallio said to the Jews, If it are a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crime, O Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. But since it is a matter of questions about words and names and your own law, see to it yourselves. I refuse to be a judge of these things. And he drove them from the tribunal, and they all seized Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But Gallio paid no attention to any of this. All right, thank you. You may be seated. I, I think we get a peek this week where Paul is at mentally in his mission. This is his second missionary journey. Um, 
and he still had a great desire that he wanted to reach the Jews. Remember, there were Jews following him around from town to town and stirring up mobs against him. And he still has a desire that he wants to reach those people. But Paul, Paul knows that God has a message that these Jews need to hear, and he just keeps doing it. We don't know why. What's funny is that, you know, we, we left chapter 17, and chapter 17 basically said that they wanted to hear Paul more on this matter, blah, blah, blah. They wanted to know more, and these were those Stoics and the Epicureans, and they wanted to hear what Paul was saying. And what does Paul do? Next thing you hear is, Paul's going off on a boat to Corinth. He doesn't even stay there to hang out. He goes right over into that area. So, we're just not told why. We don't t we're not told why he left, other than we know he did. So, we're going to take a look at three parts in this to make this a little easier to follow along. We're going to look at some friends, we're going to look at some frustrations, and we're going to look at some fanatics. So, First, we see that Paul is still without Timothy and Silas. Remember, Timothy and Silas were going to go to Athens to meet with Paul. Didn't happen. Paul took off before they even got there. So the first thing that we see is he meets Priscilla and Aquila. Okay, We're going to study more about those two as we get through the book of Acts, but I'm fairly confident in saying that Paul knew them for a while. This wasn't their first meeting. Um, we're told that they shared the same occupation and that Aquila and Priscilla were from Rome. We know that Paul was spent some time in Rome and that Claudius, the emperor, had kicked them out because they basically kicked all the Jews out. So basically this sounds more, when Paul starts talking to the Priscilla and Aquila, it sounds more like it was a little bit more of a reunion than it was the first time meeting. Um, it's neat though sometimes when you look at what I do when I when I look at this section you guys ever just close your mind and try and kind of envision what's going on in some of these stories um, you just kind of envision Priscilla and Aquila that's yeah, Jaden again Priscilla and Aquila like sitting around at night sitting around a fire and fixing tents, because that's what they did. And we, we read in several other books about Priscilla and her just her desire to be a hostess and to serve others in the community. So we kind of see people sitting around a fire and her going, can I get you something? And, and I just, I, I love being able to see that Friendships in this time period were very important because in a lot of cases, in a lot of ways, people were very dependent on each other. You couldn't go across the street and grab an ice-cold bottle of water. People had to lug water from a river or from a stream or for something like that. Especially if you had any kind of a handicap, you were at a, at a definite disadvantage. So, 
you also couldn't just go and get your microwavable dinner. There had to be either trading and bartering or there had to be killing that happened to eat. So we, we have to look at the reason that a lot of these people depended and shared a lot of communal stuff with each other is because they had to. Um, your strong relationships are what made the bonds, and those bonds are what you, your life could depend on that at times. So you see throughout Scripture, especially with Paul, where he was always traveling with people because you had to. You just had to do that in that time. Um, you had Robert. You had all kinds of things. If anybody... You didn't want to travel alone because there was no security in that. And if something happened, you wanted somebody there. Like if you fell or broke, you just, you, it, cars weren't driving by every day. You know, it's just a completely different time. Um, the sad part is, if you really want to think about it today in America, we don't have those kind of relationships. We have, Wendy and I, we have some friends who we jokingly call our shovel-ready friends. You guys understand what that means? All right. So um, they'd be there no matter what. If I needed them, they would drop whatever they were doing and be there, even if it was with a shovel. If you look at the ministry of Paul, he has many friends that are like that. And I think that we've lost that in our society today because we get so self-involved. <laughs> We're, we as Christians should be the first ones out there setting an example of serving and helping those in our community and forming those deeper kinds of relationships. And I think sometimes we get so focused on what's going on around us that we miss what's right in front of us. And I'm going to be the first to admit that I struggle with this greatly. So... I'm preaching this message to myself. Just sit here and listen. We all need those shovel-ready friends. Because even though we have a lot of those modern-day conveniences all around us, we all still struggle with the same things. I've, I don't know if you guys caught this, but the last three, four weeks, I've been going back to Look at what's happening in Acts. It still happens today. All of these things still go on. We still have the same issues. God made us relational. God made us to be dependent on those friends. I... I know people literally, and this is sad to say this, but I know people that if something happened to them, it'd be a week before somebody figured it out. It's, it's kind of cute and funny in a way, but my mom writes me a text every single morning. I'm up and moving. <laughs> she lets me know she's there. If I don't hear from her by like 10, I'm like, hey, what's going on? 
we have to have those kind of relationships. You can't live this life on your own. It's, it's sad to me to see America try and go through the trials and the tribulations and the things that happen in this country on their own. And you see it all the time. That's our job is to reach out to those people so that they're not having to go through that on their own. So next we're going to look at, we see Timothy and Silas finally show up. They've kind of been chasing Paul around. Um, Paul is starting at this point to show some frustration. He's not mad at Timothy and Silas, but once again, Paul is spending every Sabbath, he's there meeting with the, the Jews and the Greeks, and he's trying to explain to them that Jesus was the Christ that they were all waiting for, and he starts to get a little bit frustrated. Why? Well, because he spent all of these Sabbaths trying to explain to them that Christ is the Messiah. Um, he's, he's been out in the marketplace. He's been in the synagogues. He's been teaching and preaching all of these people, and they're not listening. If you remember, we talked about how Paul was proving this to the people. So he spent all of his time going through the scriptures, pointing out, it's like that, that project broadcast video that we watched. He's proving to them, these are the biblical references that you all have, because they didn't have the New Testament yet, but they had the Old Testament. He's going through and going, here it says it here. Here it says it here. This was Christ. This is when they were talking about him. He's going through all that. Paul proved to them that these things were true. As some of you know, truth is a real passion of mine. And I can't even tell you the amount of discussions that I've had with people where truth um, is so black and white, yet they're unwilling to see it. Do you guys ever go through that? Yeah? I personally can totally feel Paul's frustration because... I go through that sometimes as well. We've talked the last couple of weeks about how truth is relevant. And we've talked about how to look at Scripture in context. And that is solely because we don't want to... Um, we don't want our opinions to be presented. We want the truth. We want facts. We want it to be in context when we're telling people about God. There's a saying that goes, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. And I remember Alistair Begg, Alistair Begg, nobody says Christ like Alistair Begg. He said, I don't care if you believe it, God said it, that settles it. He's like, where do we get this believe part? I don't care. It's irrelevant whether you believe it. God said it. God said it, that settles it. So Paul's sitting there and he's teaching these people with every fiber of his being. He's going through this and they're denying the truth right in front of him. It's frustrating. I get it. 
He's been going from town to town, spending all of his time doing this to the point where some of them are, are beating him and stoning him. And he's, he's a bunch of towns into this idea now. I can see where he's getting frustrated. Um, do you have that picture of that lady? That's how I feel when I'm having a conversation on my computer sometime. Here's something I want to give you great encouragement and hope with. It's not my job to persuade people into heaven. Okay? It's not my job. My job is not to bash people over the head with the Bible until they believe. That's not my job. My job is to teach and preach and love and to be available and to be used by God in any way that he has for me. That's my job. Quite frankly, that's your job. But it's very easy for us because, quite frankly, all of us at some point or another have issues with pride. It hurts our feelings when they don't instantly drop on their knees and go, Jesus, I accept you right now, right? Because we, we told them about God. They should believe us. We're smart. I mean, right? We, we've done all the research. You just need to believe me. People, if we remember last week, some people, some people need more information. Some people are going to mock and some will believe. That's just the reality of where we're at. And you know what? It's not my job to figure out which one of those three somebody is. Um, we've discussed this a lot, especially as we go through what Paul's doing, but I'm going to say it again. It's not our job to save. When we put the sovereignty of God where it's supposed to be and realize that it's not our job, our job is to be the hands and feet of Jesus not to be Jesus. And I think in our pride, a lot of times we look at it and go, but, 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 but I did all the things. When we realize that their salvation is not dependent on hearing my masterful linguistic representation, but is instead on God who gives mercy, the pressure on me totally goes away. There's a whole lot of Christians out there that firmly believe that if they say the right thing or do the right thing, representing Christ to someone, that they can save a person. And I'm here to tell you that that pressure is too much for you to bear. It really is. You'll never be able to bear that pressure. If you believe in the sovereignty of God, this will make total sense. But let me try and give you another way to look at this. If I go to my neighbor's house, 
my neighbor's not a believer, and I go to my neighbor's house, and I start explaining Christ to them, okay? And I do such an incredible job that they give their life to Christ, and they, they're kind of hesitant, but they do, they do it anyway. Who just saved that person? I did. God didn't. That's exactly how many people in the United States around the world still believe that that happens. I believe God is the one who saves. Anybody have a problem with that? No? Okay. We need to put our faith in Christ, not in what I say. It's my job to preach. It's my job to teach. God's job to change the heart. And it's God's job to, to, to save. And I can guarantee you, unfortunately, what we see in the vast majority of Christianity today is a whole lot of people who do altar calls and they give their hand, they raise their hand and they give their life to Christ again and again and again and again, multiple times. Here's what I'll tell you. When God changes the heart and God does the work, I can tell you right now, those people are truly saved. They're not going to be raising their hand every week. They did it. Like Paul, we get frustrated when we don't see results from our effort. But we're looking at things from our perspective and not God's. Remember, Romans 9.16 says... So it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God, who has mercy. It's on God. Paul, in an entire section on election, wrote about this. Paul understand it's not his work that saves people, but God's mercy. For those who believe People have free will and choice. Go back and read that verse over and over and over again till it makes sense, because it will. And do it in the context with the rest of Romans, because then it'll really make sense. The, the point is, is that it's always God and always will be God. It, it's if when we make it about me or we make it about Paul or we make it about whoever's doing the preaching or the teaching or the whatever, that's what gets frustrating because I'm putting it all on myself. All right, I'm going to bumper sticker you guys for a second. You ready? Let go and let God. Right? How many of you guys heard that one? How about, oh, my IT guy, seriously. Um, there's, there's another one that you guys all will appreciate. God is my co-pilot. So, if God's flying the thing with you and you're in charge, there's all kinds of problems. Here's the thing. I, God's flying my plane. I'm lucky if I'm the guy that gets to throw peanuts at people, right? 
I'm, that's, I'm lucky if I get to do that. Here's the reality. We need to be a little bit more like Carrie Underwood and let Jesus take the wheel, right? Stop trying to control what, what happens out there. It's not yours. I, I hope all this makes sense. I hope it gives you more peace because we are to share the gospel with people. But it's not our job to save them. So you should have zero pressure on you. In a world where people see their feelings over truth, it eases my mind to know that God is doing something in their lives, even if I don't see it. It's like you were talking about earlier. I, I have, I have that, that young kid that came back to work for me the other day. Um, he's got all kinds of debt. He's got all kinds of financial problems. He's got all kinds. And he's every single day. I mean, he, he's been back with me for a week now. Every single day, it's like, oh, oh my life. Oh, it's so hard. And his mother-in-law goes to our old church. His mother-in-law is like, don't worry, have faith, it's all going to be okay. He's like, no, it's not. It's not going to be okay. My life is ruined. And I said, you know what? I tried to explain this to him. I said, here's, here's the thing. And he did, he's not a believer. He kind of believes that there is a God, but it's some kind of weird God dude. Um, anyway, I explained to him, I said, you, you don't believe this, but I'm going to tell you. When you look back at your life from 10 years from right now, you're going to look back and go, oh, man, I can't believe that God did that in my life. <laughs> you might not believe him, but you're going to look back and you're going to say, I can't believe it because he put you through that struggle. He put you through that. And you don't see the, you don't see the reason. You might not even see the purpose. You will. One day, you're going to see that. Um. So let me finish with looking at some fanatics. What is a fanatic? A person who is zealously enthusiastic for some cause, especially in religion. That doesn't sound too bad. Go Jesus, right? Woohoo! Remember last week I said we're all religious. So basically the description is a little misleading because... You would imagine like super Christian, right? With the cape and the flying, and that's super Christian. But remember, we all worship something. We all follow something. And I said, if you're going to be religious anyway, you might as well be right. Well, Paul is frustrated because the fanatics who he's dealing with aren't right, and Paul's had enough. Okay? Okay. We've all been there, seemingly pounding our heads against the wall of ignorance as we proclaim the truth. Who has said, show of hands, who has said this infamous line, let's just, let's just agree to disagree? You guys, yeah, a lot of you said that, right? Seriously, I want you to think about what you're saying when you say that. You're basically saying either the person you're talking to is not smart enough to understand what you're saying, or you're not willing to put in the time to deal with them. It's one of those two things. You're not worth my time to explain it to, 
in detail so that you understand, or you're just not smart enough. <laughs> we, all, we all say that from a position of pride. We do. Today's society, we no longer get to have dis discussions where points are resolved. Sadly. Our emotions get in the way, and we either stand up and walk out, or we stand firm in our ground and let them walk out. That's normally what happens when we have a discussion that's of anything of substance. Um, that's really not a proper way of conflict resolution, and God kind of slaps Paul on the hand for that in, in our text today. Because Paul's frustration gets the best of him. Literally just says to them, your blood's on your own heads. I'm done with it. I'm not even talking to you Jews anymore. I'm going to them Greek people because they're at least listening to me. And what's God say? No, I want you to keep talking to them. I won't let them beat you up anymore, but you need to stay doing what you're doing. Paul's pride got the best of them a little bit. He's like, I'm, I'm done, done listening. I'm done trying to explain to you people who aren't willing to listen. We all go through that, guys. We, we all do. We all go through times where we get frustrated to a point where we just throw in the towel and we're done. Remember, though, preaching the gospel is kind of a lot like prayer. God doesn't need us to preach the gospel. He can go like that, change somebody's heart. God doesn't need our prayers. He already knows what we need. Why do we do that? We do it for us. We do it for submission, for our own obedience, that we are doing what God's called us to do. We need to learn how to deal with the frustrations that come along with our pride in, in dealing with other people. We need to put ourselves in a servant mindset instead of the person who knows everything. I'll tell you, this message is for me, guys. <laughs> this, this message is for me. Just, you can just sit there. I'm going to talk to myself for a while. The vast majority of discipleship is just listening. And not how I listen. I always listen to answer. I'm already like, ready, what? Huh? I already know the answer to that. Keep talking. My wife, my wife will tell you. Go ahead. Shake it. <laughs> She's liking my conversation I'm having with myself right now. The reality is, is that most people in the world firmly believe what they believe. You ever want to entertain yourself? Grab a bowl of popcorn, go on Facebook, and just post a Bible verse. Something controversial. And watch it start flying. Because people believe what they believe. You can get into discussions. You can, um, you can try and persuade people that they're wrong. It doesn't work well. It's not working well for Paul. Being a fanatic is not necessarily good. 
is not necessarily bad. It just means that you support fervently the cause that you believe in. Like I said last week, if you're going to be religious, be right. Paul stayed a year and six months teaching and preaching in Corinth. God had promised a protective hand, and we see fanatics aren't going to let anything go. So they drag him to the tribunal, and they put him... Um, they make an accusation that he's worshiping God and persuading people to worship God in a way contrary to the law. If they had been listening, they would understand that the law was kind of irrelevant, but they didn't care because they were fanatics and they were going to stick to what they knew. Gallio who is the proconsul, he, he could care less what the Jews thought. He didn't care. He said, he basically said, no, you're just talking about names, you're talking about all this, whatever. That, if he killed somebody or did something like that, bring it to him. He didn't do anything. You guys are just talking about nonsense. And remember, they brought him to a Roman proconsul who would have believed in a plurality of gods anyway. So when they're talking about, well, they, they're just talking about this God does this and that, he, he wouldn't have cared. It wouldn't have made sense to him. He'd have been like, what, whatever, let's go worship this other God. I don't care. The fanatics, though, they want justice. So they, they take the leader of the synagogue. There's no mention this guy did anything at all. But he's there. So they take him and they beat him in front of the proconsul, trying to get Gallio's attention. And he still doesn't care. Why? He does, it's, it's all trivial to him. He does, he's not a believer to begin with. So you're talking about belief and unbelief in one God versus a triune God versus all this. Other. He doesn't care. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter to him. They're trying to bring a case in front of a guy who doesn't care. And quite frankly, the whole message today is know when to say when because the, the reality is when you're arguing with ignorance, it only makes you the fool. Paul dusts off his garments and he walks away. And we need to be willing to do that. We see that Paul has frustration to the point of anger over people who aren't listening. But again, that's not his job. His job is to preach and to teach. And that's, that's hard for us. Gallio's not going to let them manipulate him into caring. Um, he's not a believer. He's not going to give in to the fanaticism because he truly doesn't care about anything he believes in. I'm not saying that we don't talk to people when the opportunity presents itself. What I am saying 
is we don't bash people into submission. Because it's never, even if you could, if you could make, Raul and Hannah and I were talking about this earlier today. When we talk about altar calls, things like that, typically they're very emotionally charged, like, if you do this, and they do, and Raul was talking about, I'm not leaving till somebody raises their hand. All right, I'll do it. <laughs> not like I care. You know, it's, that's not a commitment. That's, yeah, I'll do it to shut you up. Sadly, I saw this at a church here where we had a, um, they had a thing at the high school and they had, Literally, they did this emotionally. I, I almost wanted to go up. I've been saved since I was 13. I wanted to, yeah, let's go. But there was all these kids that came forward. And this particular church, the youth group just kept dwindling, 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 dwindling to now it's not even really a youth group anymore. You're, you're playing on emotions. You're not you're not dealing with the issue. And we, we always want to be, we want to be focused on truth so that when, when somebody does give their life to Christ, they're giving their life to Christ because they're giving their life to Christ, not because you persuaded them with your, with your magic. Remember, some are going to mock, some are going to need more time, and some are going to follow. It's God's job to sort all that out. It's not mine. It's not yours. Have comfort in His mercy and His grace and trust in His sovereignty. Because quite frankly, if your plan doesn't work out, His, his plans are always better anyway. So quit putting so much on yourselves. That's it. Let's stand up and we're going to pray and we'll sing a song before we go. Um, uh, one couple things, couple things before, couple things before we, what, birthdays? We didn't do birthdays. Okay, we can do birthdays. Um, couple things I want you guys to be in prayer about, please. Um, our plan.